but we're glad you're here. And as I said, unity has brought us here. But I really believe God wants to release the church into another dimension of unity. In fact, I challenge to say, wherever right now you're not experiencing blessing in your life, wherever you aren't experiencing blessing in your life, could it be it's a result of a lack of unity? Because here is the deal, wherever brethren dwell together in unity, God, He what? Commands a blessing. And when God commands something, He doesn't miss its mark. And I really believe God wants to, for you and I to enter into a season where we know, we know His favor, we know an open heaven over our lives, where we see some of those things that God's spoken to us about come to pass. Tonight, if you got your Bible, just quickly, I want you to go to John chapter 17. Let's go to John chapter 17. It says, John 17 verse nine, it says, I pray for them. Who's Jesus talking about? He's talking about the disciples. And he says, this is one of his last prayers. He says, I pray for them. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm praying for you tonight. Come on, turn to the other person and say, I'm praying for you tonight. Jesus says, I pray for them. But listen to this. He says, I do not pray for the world. I I pray for them, but I do not Pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now, I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep them through your name, those whom you have given to me, that they may be one as we are one. What's Jesus praying here? He's praying that you and I would be one as He is one, the Trinity is one. How they operate, God wants us to operate. But I like right at the beginning of verse nine, He says, I, I pray for them, I pray for the disciples, but He says, I do not, here's the deal, He says, I do not pray for the world. Well, why would He need to tell us what He doesn't pray for? It's like saying, well, I, I, I don't pray for Australia, but I do pray for New Zealand. Yeah, I do not pray for the warriors. That's obvious. But I do pray for the all blacks. Yeah, it's it's a little bit strange, don't you think, that Jesus has to mention what he doesn't pray for. So somebody at a prayer meeting gets up and, and clarifies before they start the prayer meeting, hey, we're praying for healing, but I'm not praying for cancer. I'm not praying for intestinal issues. I'm not praying for eyesight. I'm not, uh, what I'm praying for today is I'm praying for little toes. Little toes, because little toes are significant. And how many know if you stub your little toe, that affects your whole body. Now, why did Jesus have to tell us what he wasn't praying for? Maybe it was because what he was about, what he was praying for mattered more. He he said, what do you say? I pray for you, I pray for you that you might be one as we are one. He said, I I don't need to pray for the world. Now, right right now, I wanna make a big statement. God right now, I don't believe is that concerned with what's happening in the world. Some of you going, really? We're in a pandemic. All the issues going on in the world, that's massive. I wanna say, God right now is not that interested in what's happening in the world as much as what He's interested in and what's happening in the church. Because ultimately, what happens in the church directly affects what happens in the world. 
You know, whether something's happening in the church or not happening, that has influence, that has influence and impact in the world. I really believe the church should be the most happening place on the face of the earth. Come on, do I get an amen on that? And what we've got to understand is our impact in the world is directly linked to our unity. Unity is a big deal to God, a really big deal. In fact, let's just quickly go to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four, verse three, it says, make every, make every effort. Somebody say, make every effort. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Now, now that implies that we already have a level of unity. We came here because we wanna encounter God. It says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bonds of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, and you're called to one hope when you're called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Isn't it interesting? You know, we've got a whole lot of divides in the kingdom right now. Yeah, I have no problem with churches having different names, but in the end, we have one Spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who's over all and through all and in all. There's just one. There's just one. Yeah, we are many, but, but we're meant to be one. And here Paul says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. But if we jump down to verse 12, he goes on and he says, you know, these gifts are given to equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until, somebody say until. Now, now we're to keep the unity of the Spirit, but he says, do this until we all reach unity in the faith. So, so one side he's saying, I want you to keep the unity of the Spirit. On the other side, he's saying, until we reach the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Anybody got a little bit of maturing to do? I, th- I think we all do. Until we become mature, attaining to the measure of the fullness of Christ. You know, here it talks about unity of the Spirit. I believe, you know, there's so many great relationships in this room. You know, looking around, big, uh, big stadium, but, but the, relationship, uh, the relationships in this room you know, has been built over many years. There's a lot of relationships in this room, shared memories, rich experiences, encounters with God that has brought us to where we are. We have a unity of spirit and it's founded on relationship. But here Paul says, I want you to reach for unity of the faith. See, many people like the relationship side, but they don't graduate to a place where they have unity of the faith. And unity of the faith is more than just having relationships. Come on, how many got some friends that you'll never want on your team? Uh, They are your friends, but you don't want them on your team. You like them, but you don't want them on your team. Uh, they're good people, but, but, but you know, in terms of, you're not sure whether they're gonna turn up t- on time. You're not sure whether they're gonna do their own thing. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like, nice, I like you as a friend, but I don't want you on my team. You know, in the kingdom of God, there's a lot of good people. But God wants to unite us just beyond relationships. He wants to bring us together as a team. A- as a team. And that means that we're not just unified, nice relationship, but we're unified around a game plan. Because how many know any effective, successful team has a game plan and it's not about the star player. In fact, you know, for too long, it's like the church has been full of star players. You know, we, we don't want a team full of champions, we want a champion team. 
And, and tonight, I want to say this is not so much a message or a sermonette or, you know, it's, it's not a teaching. Uh, what this is, I want to set a foundation or lay a platform today as to a game plan for Shout 2021. Come on, you're ready for the game plan for the next few days. I, I want to give us a game plan because I believe God wants to unlock some things in this place. And those things can only be unlocked as a result of us going to another dimension of unity. You know, uh, how many of you here have heard uh, the law of reverse effort? You know, I, I heard about this. You know, one thing I found about unity is you can't manufacture unity. You, know, you must be united. Couples can be together and not together. They're married, they've got the title, you know, they've got the certificate but they're not together. And one thing in this environment, we've got many people from many different backgrounds, many different experiences, and one thing is we can't just manufacture unity. You must be united. You must be united. It's a heart response. And here's the deal. Sometimes the law of reverse, well, we, 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 we see this law of reverse effort being outworked. The law of reverse effort is, is when, it answers the question, when we're, counter, we're counterproductive, more counterproductive when we try really hard. Have you ever been in a situation where you know a person, you know them really well, uh, but you can't think of their name? Uh, you're gonna meet a lot of people over Shout Conference. They're gonna introduce themselves to you. They're gonna tell you their name. And, and some of you, it's like you're gonna take it in, but within five seconds, you're gonna forget it. But there's other people you know and you know really well and you haven't seen them maybe for six months or even a year. You come across them and you know them well, you know their name, but you can't think of their name. And the harder you try and think of the, their name, the less likely you are to think of it. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about there? And, and it's like what happens is your conscious mind thinks really hard and because your conscious mind is so active, what happens is your subconscious mind checks out. But all the information you need is stored in your subconscious mind. It's stored back there. It's why, you know, when it comes to sleep, sleep is a subconscious process. The harder you try and get to sleep, how many know the more awake you are? Yeah, you, you can't will yourself to sleep. I've got to sleep, I've got to sleep. No, what that happens there is you become more awake. And it's like sometimes we've got to be united, we've got to be united. And we focus on unity without realizing and the focus on unity is not the thing that gives us unity. And, and it's almost like uh, we engage this, uh, this law of reverse effort. In fact, there's a lot of talk about unity around right now. The church needs to be united. Yeah, it does. Unity is a big deal to God. But we need to get a greater understanding of the things that actually form unity. See, see, what you've got to understand is when imagination and willpower are in conflict, imagination always wins. So some of us are trying to will stuff. It's like, you know, if I can just you know, do this, you know, and we try and will, but, but your imagination is far more powerful than your willpower. And that's why you have the best intentions you know, I'm doing different things. You hear a word from God. You have the best intentions and you, you, you go out and go, I'm gonna do it. But then you fall short because something hasn't happened in your imagination. And I really believe when it comes to unity, God wants to anoint people's imaginations in this place. 
Come on, he wants to fill our spirit so that we begin to dream. Come on, dream. There's huge potential in this place. Come on, the potential of what God wants to release in this place is massive. You know, the potential that lies on the inside of you, come on, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, dwells within you and gives life to your mortal body. Come on, God wants to do something that we've never seen before, but we've got to use our imagination. And God, I really believe, in the next couple of days, wants to anoint people's imagination. Imagination is a God-given gift. But the devil sold people a counterfeit for too long and they're using their imagination to fulfill selfish ambition rather than God's ambition. I, I really believe, here's a game plan for shout. Number one, the first thing we're gonna do this, this weekend is number one is get in the flow. Turn to your neighbor and say, get in the flow. Get in the flow, get in the flow. Uh, what are we gonna get in the flow? We're gonna get in the flow of worship. There's already a flow in this place. Now, now this is already a miracle. You know, a lot of pastors have been coming to me and saying, you know, who's speaking, who's speaking? Do you know, we didn't advertise speakers up to a day ago. I love the fact that people aren't gathered around a speaker, they're not gathered around a performance. You know, I love the fact that people have come to shout, realizing this is not, we're not here to be entertained. The Lion King was in here just a couple of days ago and people came to be entertained by the Lion King, but we've got the Lion of the tribe of Judah in this place and we come under his umbrella. Yeah, and we're joined together with him. And I'm saying, come on, we need to step into the flow of worship. Well, what are we here to do? We're here to worship. If we just worshiped, it'd be worth our while. If that's all we did, we're created to worship. And I wanna say, could our divisions, the divisions and the separations in the church be a result of our lack of worship? See, what happens is worship unlocks our spirit. And when we unlock worship, what worship does is it unlocks us. What worship does is it tunes us into the right frequency. And that's why many people are reading off different pages and listening to different things is because they haven't worshiped. A lot of people, they sung songs tonight. They sung lyrics, but worship comes from our heart and we're to worship God in spirit and in truth. Worship churns your spirit so that you can hear. Some of us right now, we need to turn our phones on airplane mode. You know, your phone today is always coming up with notifications. You get notifications for a whole lot of different things. I wanna ask you the question, is who right now is notifying your spirit? Because some of us right now, we're notified by everything else, but God, and it's like God doesn't even get a look in. But what we're doing in our time together is we're setting apart this time to say, God, we want, we want you more than anything else. I, I, I need a detox you know, from all those emails. I, I need a detox from all the amount of Netflix I've watched. I need a detox from that gaming. I need a detox because I, I need you. I don't want those things to notify my spirit. I want your spirit to notify my spirit. And as I unlock worship, as I unlock worship, worship will unlock me. See, we're created to worship. Do you know in the Bible there's three archangels that are mentioned? You know, many of us know Gabriel. You know, Gabriel came to announce things. He came to announce the word of God. Then you got Michael. 
Michael was that angel who, who would all often bring about answered prayer. We see that with Daniel. The third archangel is a guy by the name of Lucifer. Yeah, some of you heard it. Yeah, Lucifer. The devil, Satan, used to be an archangel and, and his responsibility was for worship. But he came to a point where it became about him. It became about him. In fact, Isaiah 14 records it well. And it talks about the fall of Lucifer and it says, how you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you have weakened the nations, for you have said in your heart. So he didn't even verbalize it, he said in his heart. He said in his heart, I will ascend into the heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farther side of the north, north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud and I will be like the most high. Yet, you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lost depths of the pit. Do you know, do you know how the devil became the devil? Was, was pride. Pride, pride is how the devil became the devil. Now a lot of us go, well that's not me, I don't have pride in my heart. And we're proud that we're not pride. <laughs> we're proud that we don't have pride. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. But could we have pride in our hearts and not even realize it? Do you know Adam was not the original sinner? Adam nor was Eve. Do you know Satan, Lucifer? He was the original sinner because he used to lead worship in heaven. That's what his role was. He led worship, but he came to a point where he said, oh, oh, look at me. He said, I wanna be seen. I, I wanna be lifted up. I, I wanna be exalted. I wanna be worshiped. Do you know, but before we came, uh, came to Christ, our lives were all about us. Come on, some of us still have that residue. Now, prove it. Some of you are saying prove it. Well, who's the first person you're looking for in a photograph? <laughs> Come on now. But, but when you're born again, what happens is things change and, and what happens is what? You become more like Christ. And if you look at, at Christ, when he walked the face of this planet, how many know he was always turning his attention off himself? He, the, it was all about the Father, the Father. I only say what the Father tells me to say, I only do what the Father tells me to do. And he said, he was talking about the Spirit. He was never drawing attention to himself. He was always lifting up another person in the Godhead. And that's how the Godhead works. I wonder what would happen if we took all the attention off ourselves and we started putting on God and we started putting on others. See, a lot of us don't realize that, that we're born with a fallen nature. Or if you wanna take it further, we're actually born with a satanic nature. Where, where the focus is on us. But I wanna say, if we're to see God do what He's never done before, we're gonna turn our the attention off our shout. In fact, I, you know, I wanna say, welcome to shout. Shout 2021, this is not about you. Oh, I didn't like that song in worship. You know, I'm not really a fan of that song. You know, it's amazing how many people critique the worship. You know, I'm not a fan of that song, I don't know about that. Question, is it lifting up Jesus? Because what you've got to realize about worship, worship isn't for you. 
And it's not whether we like the song, we like the melody, we like the thing. It's about our worship being given to the one who's worthy of our worship. And, and what Lucifer did, he drew to himself. We often do this in our lives. You know, any blessing in our life is because of God. Come on, any good thing going on in your life right now is not because you're awesome. Yes, you are awesome. You are amazing. But, but the source of that, the source of that is God. And, and here's the thing. When any blessing that's poured out, that do, if it doesn't turn to praise, what happens is it turns to pride. See, 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 God blesses us, but it's so that we can be a blessing to others, so that we can bring back to Him our worship. And the problem was with Lucifer was he took that worship and he didn't pass it on. He took it to himself. It was like one day, he said, I'll take some of that. And right at that moment, in the words of Tegan and Josh Fusitua, he said, you are out. That's what God said, you are out. You're out of here. The moment Lucifer took worship to himself and Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. It happened that quickly. That quickly. Happened that fast. And immediately he left heaven because God is the only one who's worthy of worship. You know, I, I wonder whether a conversation went like this after Satan fell to earth and, you know, Jesus, or well, God just created the, uh, the world on the sixth day, you know, after he created the animals, the plants and, and everything on the sixth day. You know, I had a conversation with Lucifer and Lucifer goes, well, who's gonna worship you now? You know, you lost your worship leader. Who's gonna give you glory now? It's like God's walking on the earth and he picks up some dirt, he squeezes it and he breathes into it and says, there's my worship leader. There's my worship leader. And not only that, that dirt is gonna crush your head. That dirt. You don't realize what can be released through our worship. See, the enemy, the enemy right now there is trying to steal people's worship. But at Shout Conference 2021, if we would unlock worship, come on, if we would unlock worship in this place, I believe God would unlock heaven over our lives. You were created to worship. You need to get in the flow. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, get in the flow. Get in the flow. You need to get in the flow. Your enemy right now is not a person. It's not what happened to you. Do you know the greatest enemy of the church right now is division? The enemy is trying to get people to pick sides. But division is the enemy. And many people can be neutral. But I wanna say, you only need to be stationary to hinder a flow. And that's why I'm saying, you know, don't, don't just sit there and wait for the flow to get, you know, pull you along. Be intentional in getting in the flow. See, worship is the foundation of unity. And I believe right now, a lot of us, we came in with problems. If we could lift our eyes and see beyond the problems and worship God, it would change our perspective about the problem. You know, answers come from unity. And when we unite with one voice and bring worship to a king who's worthy of worship, is then and there heaven is unlocked. 
The game plan for shout is to get in the flow. The second part of the game plan is, is to break down walls. Break down walls. How many know in an atmosphere of worship, anything's possible? Come on, God can soften the hardest of hearts. Some of you come in and you're not gonna get me. You know, you're not gonna get me. No, no, you're not gonna get me. No, I'm, I'm here to enjoy it, I'm here, but, but you're not gonna get me. You know, it's like the person goes on a talk show host and says, I'm not gonna cry, I'm not gonna cry. You know, by the end of ah. It may take to Saturday night, but whatever it takes. I believe in the atmosphere of worship, God's gonna soften hearts in this place. See, we live in a world right now where people build walls. Walls are being built all, all over the place. Some of us have inherited walls. Everybody's got an opinion about something and those opinions are dividing people. And in a lot of places, there's hurt and, and there's fraction, there's separations, there's breakdowns of relationship, so there's divorce. Walls are built, but what we don't understand is the walls that we're building are not just protecting us, they're actually hindering us and stopping the very thing we need coming into our lives. And the enemy goes, oh, you know, comes along, you got hurt, yeah. And he goes, oh, oh you're building a wall, are you? He goes, well, I'm good at that, I can help. I've got experience. And next minute, what we do is we employ the enemy to help us build the wall and we think we're protecting ourselves, but what we're doing is we're hindering the very thing that God wants to release. Yes, life hurts. Yes, in life you're gonna get injured. I often say to my daughters, well, when they started playing sport, I said to them, if you're gonna play sport, you're probably gonna get injured. If you don't wanna get injured, don't play sport. A lot of people in life go, I got injured. Well, that's part of life. It's not whether you got injured, it's what you do in that moment and whether you allow the Spirit of God to come into that space and bring healing into your life. Come on, I really believe walls are gonna be broken down. We're gonna get in the flow and walls are gonna be broken down. You know, it was some years ago, I was in Greymouth. In fact, my first plane ride was to Westport. To Westport, first ever plane ride to Westport. I was visiting my cousins on a farm and we're doing a whole lot of activities and one of the things that we're doing was we're swinging off vines over a cliff. You know, that's what we're doing, you know, going out and coming back. You know, you do anything as a 12 year old. And so, so we'll do this, but, and we did it one day, we went back the next morning and it, it, there was a lot of dew around and, and I'll go, I'll take the first swing. And so I, I got the vine and went to swing out, but it, it was all wet and slippery, so, so I swung out, my hand slipped down the vine and I went over the cliff. My, my brother ran back to the farmhouse, he thought I was dead. The first thing I cried out, it was, oh, I think I've broken my leg. And then I managed to get up to the top of the hill and, and then I go, oh no, it's my arm. <laughs> and sure enough, I had broken my arm, my legs were fine. Anyway, I went to Greymouth Hospital and they did an x-ray and they put this big cast on my arm, big cast on my arm, so I had this cast and eventually went back home to Auckland, had to have some more x-rays, only to find out that the hospital in Greymouth, God bless them, set my arm all wrong. So I'd broken it once, but they had to then re-break it, so they had to snap my wrist back around back around and re-break it so it could be set right. Do you know there's a lot of people who've got injuries, but because you haven't come into the presence of God, your, your life has been set wrong, 
And sometimes you're thinking this is painful, but, but what is painful is actually God's healing power. And some of you are gonna come into this environment, you're gonna have tears in your eyes, but, but in the end, it's gonna be liberating. You know, I could be right now walking around with an arm that's all over the place if it wasn't rebroken. And, and here's the thing, when God breaks you, He breaks you in all the right places. And some of us need to be broken down because we're carrying stuff that we, don't, we, we can't carry into our future. Carl, I really believe that there's gonna be a beautiful collision. If I could have two guys out, man, there's Nash on the side and maybe Dave Darby, if they could come out right now. You know, I, I really believe, you know, when it comes to unity, we need to come at one another. But, but if you're coming at one another, you know, it's come at me. You know, I often say, come at me. Come at me. How, how many know, if you're coming at one another, there's gonna be some injury. There's like, like, like you know, these guys right now, I, I want them to run it straight. Anybody want to see them run it straight? Anybody think Nash has got this on this side, Nash? Uh, who's a Dave Darby fan on this side? I don't know if we've got David and Goliath. I don't know uh, what's going on here. But, but, uh, but these guys right now, you know, they're going to run it straight. So they need a little bit of support right now. Come on, on the count of three. They're going to run. I want you to back, back it up. Back up the truck, man, because you've got, you got to do it at pace. Back it up the truck. I want them to run it straight. Okay, you ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Go, 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 go. You all right, man? You all right? You all right? Didn't expect that, eh? Man, I thought, I thought these were real. <laughs> Here's the thing. When you come at one another, there's times you're gonna get injured. There's times people are gonna say dumb things. They're gonna hurt you. And so many of us, we, we, we run away from that and we isolate without recognizing the moment you isolate, the enemy goes, now I can knock you off. But we need to run at one another and we need to run with grace. We still need to calm at one another. We need to go for one, but, but we need that God's presence in the middle of it. And so I, I want you to do it again. I want you to do this again, but I want you to do it with grace. With God's grace. Now, that means God's empowering presence, so He's gonna empower you to run harder. It's not like grace soft. Grace is not this soft little thing. Come, come on, I want you to run hard and with grace. Let's go. One, two, three. Go, go, go. You've got to come at one another so that you can have the time of your life. <laughs> See, what happens is when you come at one another with grace, you lift one another higher. It's not about me. It's about lifting one another up. And some of us, we've got walls right now, and we're focused on our walls. But I want you to get in the flow. Because when you get in the flow, God will break down the walls, which will bring me to number, that last, 
last part of the game plan is we need to put weight to our words. I love when Jesus spoke. Everybody was attentive. His words were just ordinary words. In fact, in Luke 19, it says, they couldn't find a way to throw him out of the temple. And it says, because people hung on his words. The Greek means it's like they hung off his lip. He didn't have a big lip piercing, but they hung on his words. How many know there's a difference between empty words and words that carry weight? A lot of empty words. A lot of us have even made declarations to God that we're never followed up on. We've never done anything with. You know, I've been to Shark Conference before. God, I'll give you my life. Go back home. My life's mine. And if we're to see a move of God, let's put weight to our words. The best expression of opinion is action. It's amazing how many people got opinions, but they're not actually prepared to put substance to it. And today, we're not talking about unity, whatever the cost. I wanna say that. Well, the world's saying we need to be united. Yes, we need to be united. But do you know you can be united around dysfunction? People can be united around a common dislike. Come on, what are we uniting around? We're uniting around Jesus, the Word of God, the living Word. Well, one thing you've got to understand is, is unity is a byproduct of mission. People say, oh, we need to get everybody together. For what? Well, what's the purpose? Get every, we're just all together, but, but for what? Do you know the more focused you are on mission, the more united you will become with other people around you? Because again, there's one spirit working us in, and he's not separating us. Unity is a big deal to God. And, and if we're focused on the same mission, the same cause, and we have one God who's in us all, working through us all, how many know He's gonna bring us together? And a lot of people say, well, I want unity, but I don't know if I wanna engage with mission. Do you know the church will never go to another dimension of unity until it engages at a greater level with mission? How many know words can be overused? And the more a word is overused, the, the less impact it has. It's like the word literally. Literally, it's hard to say. Literally. It were literally, it's like, man, I've eaten so much, I could literally explode. That's funny, literally explode? You know, think about that. You had a big meal, you know, you're sitting down on the couch, ready to have, ready to have a snooze, and next minute, bang, you explode. All your intestines all over the place. And, and that. You, know, you know the word literally means actual fact. Actual fact. And people say, man, I've eaten so much, I can literally explode. You're not gonna literally explode. That, that's not an actual thing. Literally is not a metaphor, it's an actual fact. Do you know when it comes to even faith, sometimes, you know, that word faith, we use it and we overuse it, that we lose, its, we lose its impact. Well, I've got faith in God. Well, really, do you have faith in God? You know, faith is a big subject. But a lot of us right now, we go, well, I've got a problem. I've just been diagnosed with something. You know, I've got an issue that needs sorting out at home. 
oh, I need a job. I need to see provision. Yeah, oh, I need a girlfriend. And they go, I've got, got faith for a girlfriend. Some of you came to shout because you got faith. <laughs> that God was gonna work a miracle. You know, and, and we go, I've got faith for this. But, but what you're gonna understand about faith, faith is not a remedy to your problem. You don't just use it when you have a problem. I've got a problem, I'm gonna apply faith. I'm gonna apply that faith oil and I'm gonna believe that God's gonna sort out my problem. No, faith is not a remedy, it's a relationship. You gotta understand, faith is not mechanical. It's actually relational. And God had to teach me that, it's a long time ago, many of you know I was sick. I had an incurable disease, it put me in hospital. And they said, you're gonna need an operation. And they said, things were gonna happen to me after the operation. And I said, in faith, that is not gonna happen. The nurse said, before I went out, this will happen. You, you're gonna have this take place. We can't, there's no way around it. I said, that is not gonna happen. Had the operation, woke up, and guess what? It didn't happen. Which is a good thing. But I didn't get better from that moment. In fact, in a lot of ways, I started getting worse. I was in more pain the next day than I was the previous day. Things were getting worse, and I had to come to a point where I go, God, you're sovereign. And I believe you can hear me. But God, my trust is not in the event of healing. My trust is in you. And whatever happens, I was gonna have to have another operation. And I said, whatever happens, if it happens, I'm still gonna serve you. See, a lot of people, they hear about the promised land and they go, I wanna go into the promised land. But we need the cry of Moses restored in the church. When Moses said, after God told him that he wasn't gonna go. He said, take the people in, but I'm not gonna go. And Moses cried out to God and says, if your presence doesn't go with me, I don't wanna go. Because it's your presence that distinguishes us. It's your presence. I want your presence more than anything else. And God, he's saying, in essence, he was saying, God, I'd rather live in the wilderness with you than in the promised land without you. Many people say, well, God promised. If he doesn't deliver on his promise, I'm out of here. But God's looking for people who say, if I got you, I got everything I need. I got everything I need. God, I got you. I want you. God, if your presence doesn't go with us, yeah. God's presence is not here. This is just empty words. just another meeting, won't bring life change, and we'll miss it. God, I want you. In a moment, I wanna pray a prayer, a simple prayer, three-word prayer. I really believe it's gonna carry power. Time's gone. But I believe in this moment, God's gonna move. And I want you to stand to your feet. I'm gonna ask Tony and Peter just to come. They're gonna sing a song. And I wonder whether in this place there would be 
people here just make their, the lyrics their lyrics. Make it their prayer. Come on, we want God more than anything else. This nation right now is looking at the church. God, yeah, He's concerned with what's happening in the world, but He's more concerned about what's happening in the church. Because what happens in the church directly affects what happens in the world. And I wonder whether there'll be a hunger and a desire in the church. We would say, God, we want you more than anything else. God, you can do miracles, I know that. But if, even if you don't do that, I've got you. And if I've got you, I've got everything I need. Come on, these guys are gonna sing. I want you to allow these words to minister to you.
Come on, right now, if you're hungry for God, you just want a fresh touch of heaven, I want you to come out of your seat and come down the front. Come on, you're just saying, God, I'm hungry. I want you more than anything else. is going to carry weight just as we pray this. I know the Holy Spirit's in this room already. Some people say, oh, well, He can come and get me. But He's a gentleman. He waits an invitation. I just want to pray a three-word prayer. And I want us to pray it all together in unity. And I believe as we just say this with the expectation in our heart, God's gonna come and meet us in that place of expectation. Three words are, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Just right now, say those three words. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. Just say it out loud. Come, Holy Spirit. Into marriages, into lives to every arena. Come. Come right now. 